Chapter Six of the Young Pretenders by Edith Henrietta Fowler. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Six, Ronald's visit. Teddy and Babs were in a state of great excitement, for Aunt Eleanor had just been into the nursery to say that an uncle of theirs, whom they had never seen, was coming to spend a few days at Onslow Square and would bring with him his little boy, who was just six years old. I'm so glad he's not seven! Exclaimed Babs. "'Cause being six makes him equally between us.' Six is rather little,' said Teddy loftily from his superior standard of seven. "'Oh, no, Teddy, it's just a splendid age,' persisted Babs eagerly. "'What fun we shall have!' And the best of it all was this. Uncle Charlie said Miss Grimston should take a little holiday so that Teddy and Babs could play with their cousin Ronald all the time. A long while before Ronald and his father could possibly arrive, Teddy and Bab stationed themselves at the nursery window, while Nana held on to them behind to prevent them in their eagerness from overbalancing themselves. It was quite a treat being allowed to look out of an open window at all, and Babs thoroughly appreciated it. Look, Teddy, isn't it fun seeing into the open carriages? That lady has a red book on the seat opposite, and that gentleman is crying. "'It's dust in his eye, I expect,' suggested Teddy. "'And, oh, look, Nana, that old lady is speaking to the footman. "'Do you think she's asking him if the horses are tired, or which is the way home?' "'Oh, I wish we could hear. "'And there's a nice handsome walking, and the driver has a newspaper open what he's reading at the top. "'I never knew drivers read while they was driving hansoms. "'But it makes a lovely table.' I'd like to be a handsome driver, all except the readin'. I don't like readin'. How funny things look from up here. I specs angels see like we do now from right up so high. I'm so excited about Ronald. He's sure to be nice and play with me too, isn't he, Teddy? Yes, indeed, Miss Babs, dear, interrupted Nurse. You must all three play together nicely. I won't have the boys leaving you alone. You won't want to, will you, Teddy? asked Babs wistfully. "'There's a cab with luggage. Perhaps that's Ronald,' suggested Teddy, who did not wish to make any rash promises. The excitement of the cab, even though it did not pull up at the door, quite diverted Babs, until she caught sight of her uncle, who had just come out of the house. "'Look!' she cried. "'There's Uncle Charlie. He's speaking to William. And he's rather cross, I think. Now William has run back into the house for something.' "'and Uncle Charlie's tapping his stick in a hurry. "'Oh, it's cigarettes. "'I expect those were the ones that William meant to smoke himself. "'Only Uncle Charlie will have them. "'Poor William. "'Oh, look, there's another cab. "'And it's stopping here. "'Oh!' she screamed. "'It must be Ronald. "'Can we go down now, Nana, "'or must we wait till Aunt Eleanor sends up?' "'She will send directly, lovey.' Let me brush your hair and wash your hands and take off your pinafore already. When Teddy and Babs were ushered into the drawing-room, they saw a tall gentleman and a little thin dark boy, dressed in a kilt, who had such a bright laughing face that Babs smiled too and said, I likes you, Ronald. And what a funny little short thick frock you have got on. That's my kilt. I'm a Scotchman, you see. What's inside the rabbit? asked Babs stroking Ronald's sporran while Teddy was talking to Aunt Eleanor and his new Uncle Jack. "'Oh, Daddy!' cried Ronald. "'She calls my sporran a rabbit. Isn't she funny?' 
Babs never minded being laughed at. She was such a merry little soul that she always laughed too, and everything was pleasant. It was different with Teddy. He hated anyone to laugh at him. But herein the little boy and girl were not very unlike big ones. Nursery tea that night was delightful. Ronald was such a dear, jolly little fellow, and so full of excitement about coming to London. I have got to see everything in London in one week, he told Babs, between his mouthfuls of bread and jam, and Daddy has promised to take us all to the zoo his own self. Us too? screamed Babs, in ecstasies at the thought. Yes, of course, and to see the river. We've seen the river, said Teddy. Yes, there is such funny boats on it what puts their spouts down, added Babs. Too, I want to hear all the bells we sing about that say things. What things? asked the little girl. Oh, don't you know? Oranges and lemons, says the bells of St. Clement's. I owe you five farthings, says the bells of St. Martin's, chimed in Babs. I never thought somehow they was real bells. Of course they are, said Ronald. What day is today? Monday, answered Teddy. And we go home on Saturday. That makes it very awkward, cause I spec they only ring on Sundays. I never heard them, said Teddy. I don't think oranges and lemons would be kite Sunday things to say. It's a weekday game, you see, observed Babs. What a bother, said Ronald. I'll ask Daddy. He'll know all about it. Will he understand? asked Babs a little anxiously. Understand? Of course he will. He always understands things I ask him. All fathers do. Do they? exclaimed Babs, brightening up again. We didn't know. Our father and mother are in India, said Teddy. I've only got a father, said Ronald. You're better off than me. I think it's better to have only a father in London than a father and mother in India, was Babs' opinion. The next day Uncle Jack proposed a visit to the zoo, and he and Uncle Charlie said they would take the children off by themselves, which plan delighted Aunt Eleanor, who was full of other engagements of her own. William was told to whistle two hansoms, and the children capered about in wild excitement at the prospect even of the drive. "'Who will come with me?' said Uncle Jack. "'I will, Daddy,' shouted Ronald. "'And I,' echoed Teddy and Babs in one breath. "'Won't anybody come with me?' said Uncle Charlie. Babs' face flushed. She wanted dreadfully to ride with Ronnie, but yet her loyalty to Uncle Charlie interfered. Both uncles saw the struggle— but Uncle Jack lifted Ronald and Teddy into the first hansom, and then turned to do the same for Babs. Uncle Charlie stood alone behind. "'I think I'll go with you,' said Babs, suddenly turning towards him. "'Else you might be rather lonely.' "'Yes, I might,' said Uncle Charlie, stroking her hair more tenderly than he had ever done before. He was rather touched by the baby bit of self-sacrifice for his sake. So the cab started." and Uncle Charlie kept looking down at the child beside him with a new interest. How absurd to be pleased by such a little thing, he thought to himself. But a child's affection is not a little thing, only Captain Conway did not know this. I's glad I comed with you, said Babs presently. Why? asked Uncle Charlie. Cause you're my own uncle. So is Uncle Jack. Captain Conway had forgotten that Major Bruce was only related by marriage. Anyhow, Babs was quite ignorant of such a distinction. I think you are more owner, she decided after a little deliberation. 
What makes you think that? Well, you see, Uncle Jack's got Ronnie for his own little boy, and you've got me, she added triumphantly. So I must be more yours. She is really rather nice, thought Uncle Charlie, but aloud he said, And who does Teddy belong to? Aunt Eleanor, in course. And don't you belong to Aunt Eleanor, too? Oh, no, said Babs simply. Aunt Eleanor only likes to have pretty little girls. But if Ronnie is Uncle Jack's and Teddy is Aunt Eleanor's, I must be yours. And who belongs to your father and mother? continued Uncle Charlie. Oh, father and mother in India haven't got no children. Look, look, she screamed. We're passing Ronnie's cab. And the waving of hands and hats became so enthusiastic that it was a wonder none of the three children tumbled out. Uncle Charlie and Babs arrived first and stood waiting for the others. In getting out of his cab, Uncle Jack nearly knocked his hat off, which was looked upon as an exquisite joke by the children. Ronald shouted with laughter and the others took their cue from him. Uncle Jack's not a bit like you, is he, Uncle Charlie? said Babs. Cause when things mess your hats you get very cross, but in course you have to cause your hats is all so delicate. Mine is pretty strong, said Uncle Jack, smiling. It looks older than Uncle Charlie's. Perhaps that's what makes it stronger? suggested Babs. The lions and tigers is all shut up tight, isn't they? asked the little girl somewhat anxiously as they entered the zoological gardens. Oh, yes, of course, and inside very thick iron bars, her uncles assured her. It was all very exciting, for none of the children had ever seen any wild animals before and it was as if their best picture books had suddenly come to life. The elephant rather staggered Babs as she looked up and saw the line of his back against the sky. He seemed to her about the size of the Imperial Institute or Westminster Abbey. They loved the monkeys very dearly, and shrieked with laughter when those quaint, sad-faced little creatures performed their accustomed antics. Babs thought it would be delightful to have a little monkey of her own instead of her best doll, the camels is like a Sunday picture, she exclaimed as she saw them walking across the garden. But the thing that delighted the children most of all was a tiny wild mouse which had crept into one of the cages to feed on the bits of grain. It was not part of the entertainment at all, but it appealed more to the child mind than any of the captured animals. They rushed to bring their uncles, who were enjoying their cigars outside, to see the wonderful mouse, and when at last it scuttled away, loud were their lamentations. What a darling mouse it was, cried Babs. I would have liked it awfully to take home and put in a cage, said Ronald. And I should, chimed in Teddy. Babs held Uncle Charlie's hand very tightly in the lion house, but Teddy and Ronald rushed about and shrieked, Shoo! in their shrill little voices right under the big lion's nose. But he was thinking about Africa and looked beyond the children in doing so, just as we do when we are not thinking about the people who are speaking to us. The tigers are like enormous great wicked tabby cats, Babs thought, and though she did not like to own it, they frightened her rather. Teddy waxed very brave about tigers, having regard to the thick iron bars. They look savage, he told Ronald and Babs, but you can frighten them if you look them in the face. If I met a tiger, I should stand staring right into his eyes, and then he wouldn't touch me. I read about it in a book. I should run away as fast as I could and shut my eyes tight, said truthful Babs. Oh, you silly, 
exclaimed Teddy scornfully. Then you'd get eaten. You should look him in the face like I should. Just then Teddy turned down a pathway alone to explore, while Ronald ran back to ask his father something, and Babs went with him. A minute later the boy who would have faced a tiger rushed out for his very life with the terrier yelping at his heels. It required Uncle Jack's prompt assistance to drive away the dog and soothe Teddy's sudden fright. "'Why didn't you stand still and look him in the face?' asked his uncle when calm was restored. Teddy's cheeks grew very pink, but Babs came to the rescue. "'Dogs is different, I spect,' she said loyally. "'And in course it's no use standing still to be bit.' "'Of course not,' said Uncle Jack pleasantly. "'Let's go and buy some buns. I dare say you are all hungry.' The buns were a charming diversion, and Babs would insist on leaving a few crumbs from hers in different places, in case that dear mouse came back. Another day of Ronald's visit was filled with a still greater excitement. Uncle Jack's father and mother lived in a house past which a royal procession was going, and the Queen herself on her way to open some great public building. And the three children were invited to come and spend the day with Lady Bruce and see the show from there. Aunt Eleanor went too, and to the children's sorrow laid down the law that three of them were really too many to be on the balcony crowding out other guests. So Babs was sent upstairs to see from an upper window, and Teddy was allowed to remain with Ronald on the drawing-room balcony. Poor Babs felt just a little lonely when she found herself separated from the boys, and it would not be nearly so interesting to see the Queen now Ronald was not beside her for Babs and Ronald had been talking a good deal about the Queen and the part she would take in the procession, and they had at length arrived at the conclusion that she would be seated on the top of a gilt carriage with a rose-colored dress and a helmet on her head. "'And a hay-fork,' added Babs. "'But that was Britannia, I think,' said Ronald doubtfully. "'Wasn't Britannia a Queen?' asked Babs. "'Oh, yes. She rules the waves, you know.' "'Well,' Queens is all alike, argued Babs triumphantly, and Ronald did not feel quite equal to gainsaying this statement. And now Teddy would have all the fun with Ronald, and Babs felt banished indeed. I wish my hair was golden or something, she thought to herself sadly, and then Aunt Eleanor would like me to be downstairs. But she doesn't know when there's visitors. Fortunately, Sir John Bruce's coachman's wife and two children, one of whom was quite a baby, were also in the room upstairs, and Babs found much consolation in kissing the baby and taking to the funny little muse boy, who touched his forehead when he spoke and called her Miss, just like a real big live groom. Father's carriage has gone to the show and taken the master along of it, he told Babs. Is Uncle Jack's father the master? she asked with interest. Aye, that's it. Sir John and Milady, we cause your uncle Mr. Jack. Tommy, Tommy! said his mother, a sweet, pale-faced young woman who looked as if fresh air rarely blew through London Mews. Don't forget your manners, and mind you say miss to the little lady. Yes, miss, said Tommy instantly, hitting his forehead with his forefinger. My, we had a busy die yesterday a get in the carriage already, miss. Babs looked out of the window for a little, but she could not take it all in. A big pageant is beyond the child mind. One regiment of soldiers, or a village funeral, is as much of the processional as they can grasp at once. So Babs returned to Tommy and the baby. My, there's some horses, was Tommy's comment every now and then. 
But Babs was quite happy sitting up on the bed and stroking the coachman's baby's funny little downy head, and inducing it to utter a gurgling laugh by playing bo-peep with it under the counterpane. A row of housemaids filled up the window, and they had an excellent view of everything. But downstairs, Teddy and Ronald were enjoying the gay scene much more thoroughly. Ronald, who lived with his father's regiment, was a great authority on uniforms, and he was able to tell the admiring Teddy the military standing of almost all the members of the procession. Occasionally, Teddy baffled his real knowledge, but Ronnie was a sharp little fellow, and put down doubtful ones as lord lieutenants, which effectively silenced his cousin. As the time when the Queen was expected drew near, the little boys got ready to wave both hats and handkerchiefs. "'It's lucky I had a clean-pocket handkerchief this morning,' said Ronald, "'cause it would never have done to have waved a dirty one at the Queen.' "'I didn't see the crown,' exclaimed Teddy afterwards. "'I was so busy shouting and waving that I didn't see anything,' said Ronald candidly. "'But it was splendid, wasn't it?' And then there came luncheon, and Uncle Jack fetched Bab downstairs, and the children had a dear little dinner all to themselves in a back room, over which there was no superintendence, and they could eat just what they liked. "'It was a splendid plan, us having dinner in a different room to you,' said Babs on their way home in the carriage. "'We did enjoy it so very much.' Her uncles both laughed. "'I expect you will all be ill tomorrow,' observed Aunt Eleanor. "'Don't you like having dinner with us?' Uncle Charlie asked her. She was sitting on his knee because the carriage was so full. And somehow, since that drive to the zoo, Uncle Charlie and Babs had begun to be friends. "'I'd like to have dinner with you, but I'll whisper the rest,' she added cautiously, and put her mouth close to his ear. What, with the noise of the carriage and the roar of the streets, her uncle could not hear a word that she said, but Babs tickled his ear so much that he was obliged to rub it. This was a great joke to the little girl. She went off in peals of laughter, and of course wanted to whisper again, just for the fun of the thing, but Aunt Eleanor interfered. "'For goodness sake, Charlie, don't encourage the child so. You make her so silly.' And then the grown-ups began to talk dull talk, and the children were left to themselves. "'What did you think of the Queen, Ronnie?' asked Babs that night. "'I did not see her,' answered Ronald. "'What did you?' "'I didn't see her, cause the maids was all in the window.' and I was playing on the bed with the dearest little baby what was the coachman's. I looked so hard that I saw nothing, Teddy owned. But for long afterwards the children talked of the great procession, and boasted of that day when they saw the Queen. Then, too, Ronald's visit made the every day so nice. He invented such lovely games to play in Kensington Gardens, and they were always games in which Babs was wanted. I like Babs to play said Ronald to Teddy. She makes things so jolly and laughety. Ronald generally preferred to be either a soldier or a horse, and it was delightful galloping up Queen's Gate on a blazing hot July morning and pretending they were the three horses of a gun carriage. On the Friday, Uncle Jack went with them to the gardens instead of Nana, and that made it much more of a treat. Let's have our usual battle, said Ronald when his father was safely settled on a chair in the shade. A large piece of paper out of Teddy's pocket was torn up into six portions and screwed up tight by the children to make cannonballs. Ronald, of course, personated the Scotch army, Teddy the English, and Babs, for some occult reason, was the Chinese. They charged at each other from behind three trees, and for a moment the firing was brisk till loss of ammunition caused Teddy to shout, 
the battle must stop while everybody gets their own two cannon balls again. And then it was renewed with vigor till Uncle Jack suggested that the children really must sit down and get cool. I know what we'll do, Babs, said Ronald. You take the one end of this long piece of grass in your mouth, and I'll take the other, and we'll num-num till we meet in the middle. This proved a most successful form of entertainment. I can num-num faster than you, Ronnie, said Babs triumphantly. No, you can't, answered Ronald. Let's have a race, suggested Teddy, with each a piece of grass and see who num-nums it up first. It took quite a long time selecting three pieces of grass, and then Major Bruce was called upon to cut the ends equal with his penknife and to give the word for starting. They nibbled away like three young rabbits, and Babs finished first to her great delight. Ronald came in second, and Teddy immediately lost his interest in the game. I don't like eating grass, he said. But it was being beaten that Teddy did not like. Whoa, whoa, steady now, shouted Ronald, suddenly leaping into the air. Look, Daddy, I'm a horse. Yes, so I see. Two, I'm a piebald horse. No, Ronnie, you're not, said his father teasingly. Daddy, I think I'm rather a piebald horse. Well, whatever you are, you must not run any more. You will be so hot and tired, and you are all going to a party this afternoon, remember. Oh, yes, screamed Babs. Let me sit by you, Ronnie. Will it be a dancing party? asked Teddy. I do hate dancing parties. I love them, exclaimed Babs enthusiastically, but I've only been to one. I like eating parties best, observed Ronald, and games and things just between the eating. His father laughed. You young glutton, he said, I'm ashamed of you. I wish you was stopping past Sunday, said Babs presently to Ronald, and then you could have gone with us to church. But I don't like church in London as well as at Cloverdale. Why not? asked Uncle Jack. Oh, cause I don't know about all the people. It's so sighting at home when Mrs. Forrester has a new Sunday bonnet, or when one of the farmer's families goes into mourning, and specially when one of the school children is hit. And sides, I can't understand all what they sing in London. But at home I can guess pretty well about the amens and things. Do you have Bible lessons? asked Ronald. Rather, exclaimed Teddy. Horrid ones, chimed in Babs, from Miss Grimston. All about Adam and Eve, you know. That ate the apple, continued Teddy, as if quoting a piece from The House That Jack Built. And was turned out of the square, added Babs. You have soon become a little Londoner, said her uncle, smiling. I wish I wasn't, said the child, cause the country was my favorite. But I rather forget about it now. It's such hundreds of weeks since we left Cloverdale. About eight, I suppose, said Uncle Jack, but the children had rushed off suddenly in pursuit of a wandering pigeon. And two months is really a very long time to a little child. The party that afternoon was quite a big one, with a long table set out in the dining-room for tea, and conjuring afterwards in the drawing-room. But children's parties indoors are rather a mistake. The boys all hung round the door as if they would not quite let go the way of escape, and the girls stared at each other chiefly without speaking at all. When they went to see the conjuring the shutters were closed, and the room so dark that several of the smaller children wept and had to be taken out and comforted. It was all very wonderful, of course, 
but no more so to the children than many of the commonplace wonders with which every day is filled. They laughed when the conjurer pulled yards of ribbon out of his mouth, and shrieked with delight when he found a live rabbit inside a little boy's pocket. But it was the appearance of the rabbit which appealed to the youthful audience, not the little boy's face. That was only appreciated by one or two grown-ups. A live rabbit in a drawing-room. No wonder the children were enchanted. And they would have been equally so if a wild mouse had run into the room, or a common cat jumped through the window. "'Oh, Daddy!' screamed Ronald when they reached home. "'The man got a real rabbit and showed it to us. "'It was in a boy's pocket, you know.' "'It had lovely lop ears,' chimed in Babs, "'and minded me so much of dear Spotty.' "'I expect the boy did not mean us to know about the rabbit at all,' said Teddy, "'for he seemed quite vexed-looking when the man brought it out. "'I shall put one in my pocket when I get home.' "'And there was a lion at the party, Uncle Jack,' continued Babs. "'It sat just in front of me.' "'A what?' asked Major Bruce, surprised. "'A lion,' answered Babs calmly, "'as if lions were the most customary guests at children's parties. "'I saw in the darkness its mane coming over the chair I sat behind.' "'It wasn't a lion,' interrupted Teddy scornfully. "'It was a little girl with very thick yellow hair, all loose.' "'Oh, I thought it was a lion,' said Babs simply. "'And Ronnie did. "'We wondered if it belonged to the man "'or to Mrs. Webb what gave the party. "'I thought it had come perhaps with the boy "'that had brought the rabbit,' chimed in Ronald. "'I did not like the boy what sat beside you, Ronnie,' "'said Babs solemnly. "'He had such a cross face. Too, he was a rude boy. "'He said it was a nasty tea, Daddy.' "'But it wasn't really, Uncle Jack,' exclaimed the little girl eagerly. "'There was only two plates of bread and butter with nine pieces on each, "'and all the rest was cakes.' "'You wouldn't any of you say such a rude thing "'as that the tea was nasty, would you?' asked Major Bruce. "'Oh, no,' said the children in chorus. "'And then Babs added, "'If it was, I might just say so to myself, "'or think it in my mind.' "'but I would never speak it out loud.' "'That is right,' said her uncle, smiling. "'The following day was a very doleful one for Teddy and Babs. "'Uncle Jack and Ronald went away. "'Good-bye, Ronnie. I wish you wasn't going,' said Babs, "'with a little sob in her voice and her big eyes brimming with tears. "'Ronald had been watching his father very carefully in the hall, "'so as he said good-bye to Babs on the doorstep, he slipped something into her hand. I tipped Babs my only sixpence, Daddy, he explained to his father on the journey, like you did, William and Parker. And you know, I like Babs almost as much as if she was a boy. Yes, she is a dear little girl, Ronnie. Aunt Eleanor likes Teddy better than Babs, Daddy. But I think Uncle Charlie likes Babs the best. Do you? Oh, I'm so glad, cause that makes it quite fair, you see. End of chapter 6